Okay, so welcome everyone. This is our first attempt at doing, I think I'm screen sharing right now, uh, our first attempt at doing an online ha online hangout for Knoxville Game Design. Um, going to try to do this for February and March. Our next plan meeting to get together at the Technology Cooperative in Knoxville will be April uh, to coincide with Ludum Dare 38, which I believe is the 15th anniversary of Ludum Dare. Um, so yeah, we'll have a get together. Not sure if we're going to do it before. Like typically we've been doing a meetup like at 7 p.m. before the theme is announced. Not sure if we're going to do that. We may just do a get-together after Ludum Dari to show off our game. Seems like people like doing that a lot better. So, yeah, there's the two links on the agenda, which you can find on the Knoxville Game Design website. Uh, so, welcome, everyone. Currently, now it's just me and Joe Miller on the call and going to do a little bit of show and tell. So, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to show off this week? Um, oh, I got a couple. couple. Or I guess one, one thing. thing. It's not very, very impressive, impressive, but it, it has, has been, been something I've been spending a lot of time with. Oh, okay. Let's make sure. Okay, I clicked on you, so I think you've got the screen now. I can double check on that. You still there, Joe? Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I'll just... So one of my plans is to take the audio from this broadcast and use it as the new Knoxville Game Design Podcast. So I'm just going to try to like talk through this when you're not talking. But I do see your screen with Game Maker on there and yep, yep. see some black boxes there and a menu button. Yeah, yep, that's, that's what, what I've uh, been doing in the, the, some of the background. I'm trying, trying to make, to make my, my games, games feel, feel a little, little more responsive. responsive. Mm -hmm. Watched, watched a, a couple, couple presentations, presentations on game, game feel and, and juiciness, juiciness and, such. and such. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I got, got an open source, source tweening library, library which I could share if people are using Game Maker. It's a Game Maker extension, but it gives access to a bunch of tweening scripts. Oh, did you say tweening or tweeting? Tweening. Tween, tweening. So it's like moving from one location to another, then doing the interpolation, the Bezier curves and all that. Yes. Okay. And uh, what I was using it for was, was UI at the beginning. It was kind of just been my project to learn how they work, like the various bounce in and out, quad in, and like whether it's linear or... Uh, which, uh, which kind, kind of formulas, formulas do what, what to mm -hmm. things. So what, what I made here was just like a little sample of how I could use these buttons to, to instead of just being like a, a you click it and it instantly opens something, something or, or just, just something else appears or disappears. Mm -hmm. Oh, doing these little that's neat effects to it. Yeah, it's it's what it's doing is it's doing between on the the scale. And it, and it sets, sets it, like, it like to 2x, 2x and then brings it back, it back to 1x. Uh, then it automatically handles all the resizing for you. Yeah, yeah like in between. 
looks pretty good. good. And then I did the same thing with these with position to like move them. Oh. From X, or position A to position B and back. Those could be like some kind of switches or sliders or something in the UI, but. It looks very sharp. Yeah, they're, they're like, whoever made the formulas, they are. Oops. Pretty spot on. I like it how it bounces when it gets to the end. Yeah. And like it's, you hit the side and I'll bouncing back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's uh, uh, it's not, not as, as, as flashy, flashy and showy as some of the aspects, aspects of game, game dev, dev, but it is something I've been having a lot of fun with and, and tweaking and trying to do this sort of stuff. Beyond just like with the scale and position, but even with stuff like colors or. Uh, uh, rotations, rotations and, and sound, sound effects, effects even, even like, like applying, applying the same, same formula because you, you can, can plug, plug in, in like any uh, uh, variable that you want it to affect, affect. Mm -hmm. and like uh, it's, uh, it's been, been interesting results just using some of my other games to test it we're messing around using it with uh, like the spawning frequency of things or uh, it's, it's, it definitely makes, makes things, things feel more interactive. That's what I was trying to go for. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very important to get that user experience type things down right. I mean, that's one thing I usually ne neglect on my games is like the title screen and the option screen. And if you don't have those things, then it doesn't really feel like a complete game. So, Yeah. De definitely an important part. What I did, uh, I launched my my most recent game, the Cuckoo, from Ludumberry 36. Yeah, I saw that. You stood up and put it out there on uh, Play Store and the App Store. I'm going to grab the screen back from you, I think. And I actually have the link. So you got Kufu on iOS. So I'm going to copy. Can I copy this? I actually went and got the links from... From the tweets that you sent out, uh, I'm going to copy. Now I need to screen share. Share screen. And now we get the infinite windows. Um, so I'm going to open it. I should have already had these set up in tabs and everything, but I didn't. So, yeah, I see it here on iTunes. So, obviously, for iPhone or uh, your iTablet, whatever they call those things. Uh, and is it free or? Um, yeah, it's, it's free with ads, ads and then there's a 99, 99 cent in-app purchase to get rid of the ads if you want to. Great. Or you yeah. use ads for free forever. Yeah, see it over here requires iOS 8, compatible with iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. Then you got your other games from Double Square, Dodge Line, Sub Hunter DS. You got all these on iOS? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you had that many on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you, yeah, Joe, you got a lot of great games. That's one thing that I wanted to, like, do with this online broadcast and just the, the group in general is promote our games more. I think that's been kind of lacking uh, previously. But, uh, yeah, I have another link, and you also have it on Greenlight, right? I got your Greenlight. Yeah, I do. Uh, it hasn't gotten much progress on Greenlight. That's what I've experienced. Like, in the first week or so, you'll get... Uh-oh. I wonder if this is going to... Yeah, you got your trailer here. Uh, yeah, I've experienced that. It's kind of like a... 
exponential type curve. You see a lot of activity in the first three or four days. And once you fall off that new game screen, then uh, the activity kind of drops off. So uh, I don't know what to do for that <laughs> aside from submitting another game. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, well, it sounds like we might not be not be around much longer. Yeah, I was, I was going to talk about that in the news upcoming here in a little bit. But it's um, not a. I don't know. That's it's a it's mobile, mobile game, game first, so I, I didn't, I didn't really, really take, take much, much time, time yet. yet. I was, was kind of seeing what kind of response it got, got on Greenlight. Which, Which uh, uh, to, try to try to see, see if, if I can do something, something to, to make it like a like desktop, desktop mode, mode that might take advantage of all that extra screen space. space. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. Really yeah. Designed design anything yet? Because I don't know. I just didn't know if it was going to catch on on desktop or if people were going to be interested in it. That's one thing I didn't warn you about. Is like the green light commenters can be brutal. Um, if they suspect that it is a port of an online game, then they'll definitely let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, was, was kind of pretty, pretty upfront that it's a mobile first, first but people, people don't, don't care. care. I, guess I guess the, the, the Steam, Steam people, people or the Greenlight green Commodore types don't want mobile games. On. I think I think there's just people that troll all the games that are on Greenlight and just like just let, leave negative comments and stuff. On games, no matter the quality or anything like that. Yeah, and but, the thing about mobile, mobile games, games on Steam to me has been like there's, there's a lot, lot more portable, portable computers, computers running, running full Windows, Windows now. now. Just yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily. necessarily... You still there, Joe? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks like you've added quite a bit. I, I admit I haven't played the latest version. The last version of Kufi's that I've played was the Ludum Dare entry that you submitted. But it looks like you have some additional puzzles in here. Uh, whereas the original version just had the pieces coming down on the little conveyor belt. Yeah. But, but it looks like here... Uh, I made a couple different modes. The... Where they're coming, coming down, down in different, different shapes, shapes and different, different uh, uh, are the, the boards, boards are different shapes, shapes and then the, the puzzles, puzzles are more like, like a little tangram style, style game. game. Like yeah. That one, where you just we have just to fit them all in. in. Uh, but you can't rotate the pieces, right? Correct. It's just dropping the pieces in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so everyone, uh, if you're listening, watching, definitely go check out Khufu's delivery service on Steam and iOS. And you also have it on uh, Google Play, right? Yep. yep. Okay, yeah, check it out on all those locations. So I was going to show off what I've been working on. Uh, so infinite screens again. Uh, so I put my Free the Frog on Sketchfab, my little frog model. I've been trying to get more into Sketchfab. Uh, uploading uh, more stuff up there. So you can go to LeviDSmith.com. Oh, and by the way, if you're looking for uh, Joe's stuff, uh, your uh, DoubleSquareLLC.com, is that right? That is correct. And on Twitter, uh, let's see here. Double Square Joe. Double Square Joe, yeah. So definitely check out. I know you're very active on keeping your... Uh, 
tweet and your Twitter page up to date with all your latest updates here. Uh, <laughs> we all try to. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, sometimes real life gets in the way. And I've been working all weekend on trying to optimize my website, uh, making changes. i got a wiki out here where I have information for a lot of my games. I've been trying to optimize the speed on this, but it's been a little bit slow. I think there's something, some issues going on on the back end with my GoDaddy account, accessing the database and things like that. Uh, and also I'm streaming at the same time, which could make this a little bit slower as well. Okay, so got my games here, which you can't see at the moment, but Free the Frog. I'll open that in a new tab. Just trying to get to the Sketchfab link. Now I got one link down here under somewhere. It might be under Game Development. Sketch Fab Source Forge NDDB Patreon about me. I thought I had it listed on here. Maybe I don't have it added to the main page yet. Min profiles on all those. It's so so many, so fragmented. Yeah, I wish there was just one. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, so it's under model. So I got my Sketchfab account right there. Um, let's see here. Yeah, there it is. So I got like four models, one really old, but I got the frog model right here. Click on that guy. And I'm pretty impressed with uh, what Sketchfab can do. I mean, it can render your model right here on the web and it works on a lot of different platforms like mobile i know on my iphone it looks just like this and on my tablet uh, and there's a lot of different options if you want to go in here and see am i logged in settings you can pick the different uh, animations like that I've created in blender the only issue that i had when i imported this guy is that uh, I had to go in and manually add the texture after uh, after I've uploaded him. But uh, let's see, edit this model from da 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 da. I thought there was like controls, but maybe that's only when you first import this guy. But there's a lot of different uh, options for changing the background, the resolution quality of the background, the lighting. Uh, the glossiness and everything else with this guy. Uh, the other thing that I've been working on, so for Ludum Dare, there was a Mini LD 71, and it was to make the is called the Retro Challenge. So it ended on February 3rd, uh, I believe, and there were I think 18 entries. So if you want to check out some retro style games. Check out the Mini LD71. I made a game called Prez. I'd made an NES game in the past. This one, I tried to add a few new things, like I started learning how to change the palette for sprites and how to make different backgrounds. Uh, so I'm going to show that off real quick. Uh, so I'm using the FCE UX emulator. Oh, by the way, Joe, did you compete in another game maker competition this month uh, uh i did, did not, not finish, finish an entry for that one. Oh, okay 
Um, I wanted to. Real life got in the way. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, let's see here. Ideas that we're working. What was the last one that you did for GM4? Was it GM48? Yeah, it was the the twentieth GM48. It was uh, it was called uh, Twenty One Run. Twenty One. Okay, so I see Jupy did a a play of your game, and she's really good at like going out to all these game jams and doing videos. So I wonder if I click on her video right here, and that's just the image. Where's the YouTube? She's usually pretty good about in the description. Um, Putting when. Yeah, the links. Exactly. Yep. Um, right there. 237. 21 run. 21 run. Okay, so I'm going to click on that and expand this out. 21 run. I've already read how to play the game. Basically, we're just collecting cards and we're trying to get up to 21. With two, uh, let's do nine. Now, I think you showed this one off at the last Knoxville game design meeting, Seven. right? Yeah. Okay. So I need, I I need to something eight, nine, one. I need how to do more stuff four. with perspective. You get bonus points for everything matched. Have stuff like have its uh, X and Y scale set by its position on the screen. Mm-hmm. So look further away, the higher up the screen it was. That's pretty amazing that you're able to do that in Game Maker. I mean, I've seen some of the 3D capabilities, like they built in a 3D, like Minecraft uh, style engine, but uh, to do this, like, in a real perspective like this is pretty amazing. I mean, this, this doesn't actually use any other 3D functions. It's still all 2D. Yeah, you did all this yourself. That's just math. Really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Using scaling and positioning it on the screen yeah and then uh it was just a little i originally started making it where it was going to be like a temple run kind of thing where you could jump and duck mm -hmm. and there was going to be like pits and traps and stuff but that wasn't working yeah so i just came up with putting numbers on all the obstacles and you're just trying to make a a 21 like Blackjack. That's yeah. That's pretty good. Just for twenty for forty eight hours in game. Yeah, well, about hour thirty six or so. And oh wow! I didn't have a, a like the, the scoring and stuff in place yet. I was I was still trying to do jumping and like main mechanics. So I was like, all right, I I gotta gotta change it up here. Mm-hmm. Once uh, I kind of hit that finish line stretch in the jam you gotta pick something and go with it yeah i've experienced that a lot with ludum dare it's like oh i got all these ideas and everything that i want to do and you get to like the last eight hours like okay i gotta have a functioning game here i mean it's like yeah i gotta i gotta cut down on the features and work on the actual graphics and things like that yeah that's what i cut out jumping and pits because that was not working so do you think you're going to keep working on that game at all, polish it up, put it on iOS or anything? Um, I haven't decided yet. I, I hadn't actually tried to build it out on mobile to see how it played Yeah. with touchscreen instead of keyboard. I'll go ahead and... Oh, 
Very I was going to mention that uh, I've tried the latest like mobile or the web builds for Unity, and I noticed some issues going to like a web build with some of the collision detection because uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to load some of my games up to Congregate, and uh, obviously Unity no longer supports the Unity web player, uh, which was Flash-based. So I've, try, I've tried the WebGL HTML5 build in the past, and it really wasn't that great. It looks like they've came a long way with the graphics, uh, but the collision's still a little bit off. It doesn't work the same way as it does um, in the regular desktop build. Um, so yeah, this is the NES game that I made. It's called Prez, and you're the president. You collect the American flags, keep them from dropping on the ground and uh that's about yeah all there is to the game uh took about 10 12 hours or so uh to get all this working obviously is a lot of assembly code which i was planning on talking about a little bit later but uh yes happy with the white house uh graphic that i got in the background uh, I do have a live stream of this, so if you're interested to see, if anyone listening or watching is interested in seeing how I made this, you can uh, view that live stream and the process that I used. But basically, I took an image from Google, cropped it out, copied it, pasted it into GIMP, or uh, copied and pasted it into GIMP, cropped it out, then reduced the number of colors to only use four colors, which is... Otherwise, if you tried to paste it into the program that I used to create the sprites for the NES ROM, uh, it just looks like a mess if you have all the colors already. So you got to manually reduce the colors to four yourself, then you can copy and paste that into a program called YYCHR, uh, which you use to create the sprites. But yeah, little games, flags drop, and that it adds to your score, and that's about it. So I'm there's a few additional changes I want to make to this game. I want to get sound working, like whenever you collect a flag, have it play a little beep or bloop. I want to add a title screen, and oh, I want to get animation working, because right now he just walks left and right. His feet don't move, which looks kind of awkward, so I... I think I could add some uh, animation frames in there to make him look like he's running around. What are um, the uh, parameters of the mini Ludum Darius? Uh, it's different every month. So usually they're more relaxed than an official Ludum Dare. Let me go back here. So this guy, so they pick a different person to run it every month. But this guy gave like a whole month. He's like, I think he posted this and uh, not long after the big Ludum Dari. And yeah, he gave us till February 5th. So a little bit more relaxed, no prizes. Uh, this guy had a second theme, modern technology. And it, so for this one, he did put... Uh, some constraints on what you should develop. Basically, anything on hardware that was available in the year 2000. Some other mini Ludum Dares, I just give you a suggestion on a topic. Uh, but usually they say, okay, well, just develop anything you really want to. <laughs> but uh, this one was a little bit more constrained. Uh, but yeah, you could develop like a DOS game or something like that, which wouldn't be too difficult, but you would be limited not being able to use, 
uh, Unity or Game Maker and things like that. Yeah, actual coding, coding. Exactly. Compiler or whatever else is out there. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to hit these agenda items already 30 minutes into this. Yeah, time is really flying. But, yeah, I'm glad that we're actually showing more stuff that we're developing and doing things like that. Uh, Knoxville Game Design website. So I did spend some time upgrading this. Uh, KnoxGameDesign.org. Uh, so I added a new title Im image up here. I, <laughs> yeah, Mike, who... Uh, has run the Knoxville game design uh, meetup group for, for years, I think since 2008 or 2009. He may be mad that I got rid of the Knox NA guy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the Xbox 360, we need to update that. So put a new title image up here. Um, I rearranged. So I want to give a shout out to Dylan Wolf. He wasn't able to join us this week. I know he said he's going to be out of town this week. So hopefully we'll, he'll be able to join us in a future online meetup. But he took over the technical aspect of this, uh, running the website from a technical standpoint, such as hosting it and getting WordPress to work and a lot of things behind the scene, like the logins and things like that. Uh, he got all this working in like a weekend. I was really amazed how much he was able to do. Uh, but yeah, he basically took over the hosting of this website from Mike Neal. Uh, and basically I'm just using it to update posts. So I did go in and made, I made a post for the Ludum Dore 37 entries showing all of the Knoxville entries. Here's Eye in the Sky by Joe. So it's just basically the short blurb that we posted on the Ludum Dari side and small screenshot image. Then if you click on the link right there, then that will take you to the Ludum Dari entry page right there. Nice. And thank you. And I did add the two time-lapse videos that we both made. For some reason, they're just showing up as black boxes, but <laughs> there they go. I think I'm just getting lag from doing all the streaming and everything, but if you want to see the two time-lapses that the Knoxville game design made, you can check those out right there. Um, I made a few additional, so I changed the menus around a little bit. I think forums used to be called something different that was like really ambiguous, uh, like message board. Community, I was like, what, what yeah. is community? So I changed this to forums. Uh, I checked out a few different websites. And that seemed to be like the standard nomenclature for message board as forums. So really not getting much activity. So if you want to contribute, if anyone out there listening wants to contribute, uh, just go to knoxvillegamedesign.org and create an account. Uh, just, I think you just click log in. I think you can use either Google+, Facebook, or LinkedIn to log in. You can't use WordPress there, I don't believe. Um, so yeah, if you have something you want to show off, just random game development topics you want to talk about, you can view those here. Uh, calendar is pretty much the same. Uh, been trying to update it with the events like this online hangout. And oh, by the way, uh, I did take over the meetup page. Uh, meetup for the Knoxville game design group. I went ahead and paid like the $80 or whatever for 
uh, what it, like the six months to remove that limit of 50 people just to see if this takes off, then great. If not, then I'll probably just cancel that after the six months or whatever. But this may break the rules of Meetup. I don't know if they have rules or not, but I posted our online meeting to Meetup, which kind of goes against what Meetup is supposed to be about is meeting people <laughs> in person. But I just want to make sure if people were if they were only following the Meetup. Uh, then they would be aware that we're not actually meeting in person at the Technology Cooperative in March or February or March. So turns out today would have been a, a nice, nice weather day to do it. do it. It was nice today. It's like uh-huh. 73 out there. I was like, you would think February is cold and everything, and well, like, we had snow here on Friday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah, 70 something today. That's Weird. that's Knoxville weather for you. Uh, crazy like that. But, yeah, I really wasn't looking forward to going out. I mean, I like meeting you guys, but if I can do this from home, <laughs> that's a lot better. I mean, it's like a 40-minute drive from me from Oak Ridge, Knoxville. I know you're in Morristown, right, Joe? Yes, it's about a 45-minute, 45, yeah. Yeah, so if we can just do this at home for the next couple of months and meet in April, I think, I think that's what everybody – Agreed. Like, sound like a good plan to everybody. Uh, so there's the calendar. I haven't updated for March or April yet. Um, directory. I'm not sure if we really need this. I mean, I don't know. I, can, I mean, we have four people on here. I'm thinking about making a games page where it just shows off all the games that we've developed with like direct links, like for your games, Joe. Like, have a direct link to iOS and everything, but. That's going to take time to develop. I have a little bit of code uh, that will actually uh, scrape an itch.io page, then pull out all the game information. So I think if we just have like one list of all the games that we've all developed, that might work a little bit better because this is just like another click people have to go through and it doesn't have your game. So then it's another click to click on your itch.io right there, which... If we just had all the games on this main page, I think that may work a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so I created a new menu entry here called Archives. Uh, so I created a new category called Game Competition Entries. So if you go to Archives and click Games, and I may rename that to Game Competitions or something, uh, but this will show you all the posts uh, that were made, the recap post for Ludum Dari. I don't know what happened right there. That's kind of odd. Uh, but all the past Ludum Dari's that we've done, you can view all the games from that one page right there. Also under archives, we got the old podcast. So I was going to talk about the podcast think it's on the agenda somewhere down here uh yeah future game design podcast so i'll go ahead and talk about that right now uh so in the past if anyone listening wasn't aware we did a monthly podcast after the game design meetup on an indie game not one of our games just uh, some other indie game out there and what I envision doing is taking the audio from what this hangout right now and making that the new podcast. So we're kind of merging 
the old podcast with the meeting and just making that one thing. So I'm hoping I can take the audio and just load it in as a podcast object in WordPress. And hopefully that will get picked up by iTunes and everywhere else that Mike had that set up. Uh, Pick a game, I guess, and talk about one if we wanted. We could. I don't know. I'd rather talk about our own games, though. But I know there could be issues with, hey. Was it Mike was the one that was doing the video before, too? Yeah, he was. Recorded gameplay and put it over the... Like when you're talking about the game, he'd show gameplay clips to support whatever ended up getting talked about. Exactly. That's so, a I mean, lot of the time. we could continue doing that, but I don't know. Maybe we could pick one of our games, or I don't know. There could be issues with that, but there's, like Mike said at the last meeting, there's a lot of editing behind the scenes that goes into making those. Uh, the audio up. Yeah. Um, so, this meetings was just like something left over from the old website layout, which I don't even know if we need a meetings link, but I just kind of pushed it into a sub-menu because it's just like a lot of informa- old information that's repeated, sometimes repeated on the main page. And I think last night I went in and added a new, I know Mike Neal had talked about this in the past, adding a tutorials page so now if somebody just interested in getting into game design want to learn a little bit learn things new uh mike has it like a 10-part series on intro to unity so he he goes in if you just want to get started uh these are broken into about 20 minute uh, chunks and do it that way um, I am going to do it at an angle just so that we can fatter or skinnier. It's just how much is the play zone. Um, and you can use this forward and backward. So if you already know a little bit, if you already know a little bit about getting into Unity and you just want to learn about the physics engine and things like that, he has a specific video for doing that. So there's 10 videos. How recent is though? Like, are those with the current Unity? Yeah, this may be Unity 4.5. Let me click on it here and see. Actually, a lot of that one. If it's the basics, it probably carries over. Yeah. Maybe a button got moved somewhere, but it's probably still there. Some. A lot of the stuff is, yeah, will probably be the same. Um, yeah, July 26, 2015. So I'm thinking this may be Unity 5. I can't tell from his screen right here. I don't know if he put it in the... Yeah, he didn't put it in the comments or anything. I still haven't taken a stab at Unity yet. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. You just got to find a good tutorial. I mean, I think I spent like an evening and it wasn't too bad. It's just if you want to start doing the 3D stuff, and then you got to learn Blender and how to import all that. But if you're sticking with 2D, they have a specific settings for 2D options in there and everything. So it's not too bad. Then I have like one that I did on game development. So this isn't specifically how to make a game. This is like, hey, if you're just now getting into it and you want to know what's out there, 
what goes into making a game, like audio and graphics and all, and the different tools that are available for doing this, this is a video that somebody that you should watch if you just want to know what's out there, what, what are the options, just a little bit uh, on how to use these tools. That's what I targeted this towards, like the different gaming libraries and all that. So that's archives and about us is the same, uh, except I touched this up a little bit saying, hey, we're gonna be doing this online for the next few weeks. Uh, but we plan to get together in the future. Updated these, con the contact information, Levi D. Smith at knoxgamedesign.org or Dylan, I think he's Dylan at knoxgamedesign.org as well, or you can contact him here for technical issues with the site. So that's the website updates. Let me go back. Uh, okay, Microsoft VR. Okay, I got something. If you're interested in doing VR for other uh, platforms and you want to know what uh, Microsoft has available, I know I was getting uh, emails from them, which I got my email in the uh, other window here. Let me go back and verify that I'm still sharing. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I got something from ID at Xbox for, like, the first time in ages and basically says, hello, are you working on VR and what are your plans? If you're interested, take our survey. So I clicked on that. I took the survey. And basically it was just like, hey, do you have plans on releasing VR? If so, do you want to know more information? So anyone out there is interested in doing VR, then I can forward this information along. Just let me know. Uh, you may actually have to be a part of the ID at Xbox program, but it's not hard to get into that. It's just going to their website and uh, submitting a request. Windows Store issues. So I have a few games on the Windows Store, and I've been getting more and more of these emails, whether it be on the Windows Store or on Google Play. It'll say, hey, we've changed our required information. Like, you've got to submit, like, uh, writing information for Zimbabwe or somewhere. So I got one for Kitty's Adventure on the Windows Store. If you click on it, which I'm not going to do right now, it doesn't tell you actually what's non-compliant with it. So I'm wondering, it's like, was this a spam email? It's from Microsoft.com. Not sure what's going on there. But uh, I was getting a couple of those this last week on Google Play Store too. Yeah, I, I got those as well. Wonder about the privacy policy though, like that I don't have a link to it inside the app. So yeah, I got that one as well. Yeah, I got it on like four or five of my apps that they want privacy policy links available inside the app, not just on the store page. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so I have to go add a button and a link and submit a new APK. I haven't done it yet. They gave, uh, I think they gave till March 15th or something like that. I think I saw that one, dude. They give some like boilerplate on, it's like, hey, here's like the standard, like privacy information that you can paste in there. Something yeah, I got another one from iTunes about China uh, requiring something. You gotta like get your game, gotta get some kind of approval code from the Chinese 
games like advocate press people. Yeah, because China is uh, whatever whatever that word is. They keep censored. They're yeah, internet censored. So to release like in the iOS store on China, you have to submit your build to them first, like, and get approval from the Chinese government. Which it sounds like, uh, I mean, if it's most like actual video game apps, they get put through pretty easy. Yeah. Um, they're more worried about stuff that tries to collect data or if it like uh, social media type stuff where people would have interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones they're trying to block. Oh, okay. Because they don't want that for some reason. Yeah, it's just like every country has their own rules and just trying to keep it all straight can be a headache. Yeah, it, it definitely. I've had some random ones too where like a, one of my early games got blocked from like Chad or somewhere like in Africa for violating some kind of depiction of violence that they have about something. I don't It was just weird. They just got an email out of the blue that your game has been removed from the app store in Chad. In Chad. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, okay, sorry, Chad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know there's like other rules, like swastikas are banned in Germany, so you always got to make sure like you don't violate the local laws of that specific country. But I think this is the, if you can see my screen, Joe, I think this is the email you're talking about uh, to, to the Google Play developer. Uh, and it says, first you read it, it's like, oh, your your package and game is like in violation of our yeah. usage policy. It's like, what in the world happened here? I don't think I like put anything bad in my game. And then you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, you got to have the privacy policy uh, and action yeah. required. Include a link to valid privacy policy from your app store listing page. In, oh, yeah. In your app. Yeah, I didn't that was see the that. Part. I have a... a you know, a generic privacy policy. I still got these where it says within your app. Wow. So I was just going to add a link in like my settings page or credits page somewhere that just Mm -hmm. privacy policy and just link it to the web page directly. Yeah. But that is a pain if I'm going to have to go and rebuild. Like I only have two games on Google Play, but having to go back and recompile, which probably isn't bad i mean recompiling it in the latest version of unity but yeah i have the same issues like uh, i think mike was having with his dungeon game though like yeah one of my older games it doesn't compile anymore in the newest version of game maker because one of the scripts i use has been deprecated so it's not i can't just add the link like i actually need to go in and bring the code base up to current build like it's that's kind of frustrating with older apps it's not always simple as just you know clicking a couple of buttons yeah you don't, and you don't know there's a problem until you try to load it up again and run it and it doesn't run and you're like oh what is it that's like my one gunman game it got greenlit on steam i was like uh, it's using really old stuff and that was back 
before I learned like how to use Playmaker, it's like I really don't want to have to go back and change all this <laughs> to recompile it. To and I think I wrote that in like Unity four point five or something. So there's been a lot of changes. Uh, this does say you can opt out of this requirement by removing any request for sens- sensitive permissions or user data, which I'm not doing. So why does it say I'm in violation? I mean, do I, maybe there's like a little check button that says I do not request private information. There may be. I don't. I, um, I mean, mine. I have in-app purchases, so I do uh, ask for their login to like their player, the iOS account, which I don't actually see the data. Like they type it in and they hit submit, and then it's a secure uh, SSL connection between my app and like the iOS database for the App Store database. So it's not like when they type in their password, I'm not collecting that information you're giving it to log into your account and once it's like it's logged in i i don't, you don't actually collect you don't it. touch it no yeah i don't even see it like in my code it gets put in as a a string into put like directly into the store it's not also going into some like spreadsheet of people's passwords yeah, but I guess I, it, the point is I have to state that explicitly. I guess uh, your privacy policy has to say like I am not collecting your usernames and passwords yeah. for any reason. It's like you're not collecting social security numbers or birthday or no. PII personally identifiable information. You're just doing transactions to the the Google Play Store. Yeah, and I mean I do keep. So it does keep track. Now, I don't do this personally, but the App Store keeps track of which App Store accounts and which email, like Google accounts, make transactions with you. So that, like, if somebody were to uninstall the app and re-download it a year later, uh, they'd still have that whatever. If they paid to unlock, you know, no more ads, check their username against a list and say, oh, this person... This account. You're breaking up so, a little bit. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm just okay. saying it does I keep now. Um, a list of account emails like that. These people paid for stuff in your game. I mean, you got to kind of. There's a transaction list, so for tax purposes, I, I do have to know like which zip code people bought stuff from me from so i can Uh, pay the appropriate local taxes i know like online stores if i buy stuff from tennessee then i have to pay tennessee state tax but if it's like some other state i don't have to worry about it so i guess it's like that but i mean that's i got my privacy policy has to specifically say that like i the data that i do get from you is just for tax purposes and like legal it's only what I need. I don't collect it and sell it to other people or use it to like send you marketing emails if you didn't sign up for my mailing list kind of thing. I just don't see why they you need to have it within the game itself. I mean, it looks like putting it on the download page from Google Play would be sufficient. 
But, but uh, it was, and now it's not. <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to say, I know this has been like a really sensitive, touchy issue with like LG. I think they were collecting information on viewing habits for people watching TV, and there was a big lawsuit. So I'm assuming all these lawyers are on the warpath right now to find anybody that's collecting any type of personal information and going after everyone they can. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming that's why they're doing this. Um. The next thing on my agenda was GDC, but Joe, I think I saw some tweets from you where you, you plan on doing PAX or one of those conferences on the East Coast. Um, I'm attending, um, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to have a booth. Okay. Um, I will be there, and I will. I've got my handout stuff and my buttons and stuff for for PAX East in Boston. Boston, yeah. Yeah, March. 10th, I think, 10th or 12th. Just oh, okay. Um, but well, I'm just going to be walking around. I'm, I'm going to be trying to do some networking with other uh, indies. Like um, they have on Friday night, there's a Made in Massachusetts party that happens. That's uh, got a lot of the indie companies that are based there in Boston. And other, I mean, the, the Made in Massachusetts thing is featuring indie studios in massachusetts but there's a lot of other indies that are going to be there too yeah around that are there for packs so i'm just kind of hoping to be able to trade business cards with people and try to meet and see what other indies are up to and maybe uh for a future convention next year we might be able to help uh, split a booth or something like that because it is expensive to try to go solo. As yeah, I know we've tried that. Um, we talked about that before, like doing some little local conferences. And I remember, like in one of the meetings, you brought like the listing of like prices for boost, and it seems like it started at like two thousand dollars for like a small little table, and went up from there. Yeah, two thousand gets you like a a student desk and a chair, and then all the the money they charge for everything else like if you need power or internet access and stuff to carpeting or extra whatever you need to actually run a booth you know i think there's been a couple uh bloggy type posts from other indies about the average spend being around three to five thousand to do a pax as the as a small as an indie yeah, that's, that's about as much money as you need to plan for. It's like if I had something that I had really polished and ready to show off that I think would sell more than like two thousand dollars, I'd be all for going. I mean, it, I did I submit Kufu into the Pax East Indie Showcase, but it didn't get in. So. Uh, I've done that for uh, the one they have in Atlanta, the MomoCon. Mm-hmm. I think it's like indie game. Well, indie games last. But like anime and other stuff first, but I submitted a game to that. It seems like the charge wasn't as it was like a twenty five dollars or fifty. I didn't get into that, but it seems like they were promoting indie games down there as well. I know they had some green light developers. I'm not sure if they're doing that this year. Or I don't even know when MomoCon is this year, 
But uh, here's the information for PAX D's, like Joe just said, Boston, Massachusetts, March 10th through 12th. You'll be really interested to hear about your experience at PAX. So is this your first time at PAX? I think you said you went to some conferences before. Uh, this will be my fourth time to this one. Okay. Uh, and I've been to the PAX Prime out in Seattle a few times, too. Oh. Um, but that's, that's like, like with, with my, my day job, job we do uh, some, some marketing, marketing stuff, stuff in the back end. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've been, been able, able to, to get up, and I've, I've been to E3 before, before too. Uh, I've always wanted to go to E3. But, but I'm, I'm, when I'm there with the day job, I'm there working, and it's usually doing stuff like building out booth displays with hooking up the uh, electronics. Like we deal with racing games, so we hook up steering wheels and pedals and to the Xboxes or Playstations and headsets and get games running and get them up and running mm-hmm. and then kind of do maintenance throughout the show. Yeah. Um, just uh, trade shows can be pretty brutal on uh, hardware. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, with everyone coming by, everybody. I've learned that just from uh, what was the one that we did last year, the uh, Maker Palooza. Oh, with your flight flight stick? Yeah, Yeah, some little kid just came up and started pounding it. It was like, oh, (laughs) this is kind of my Raspberry Pi uh, arcade. And then you're just pounding it toward the joystick. I was able to repair it and everything. But, yeah, I can understand. I mean, at a real trade show, you're not going to have the kids and everything. But Uh, PAX, it's still open to families. So there are uh, some kids running around. But it's... uh, I was just saying, saying, I've I've been been to these shows, but it's been as uh, as a worker, uh, not not like as exhibiting my own stuff. As a as as an indie developer, I haven't been. So this will be the first time I've been where I'm actually trying to show off my games and meet other people that make games and do that sort of stuff, and not be running around dealing with convention power people and making sure pallets get where they're supposed to be and TVs are, you know, signs are hung and all that, which is, I mean, that stuff is, it's fun to be a part of, but this, this is like, I want to be here for me. It's, it's got to be a lot more fun, like promoting your own stuff and talking about your own stuff instead of trying to like help sell somebody else's stuff and set up somebody else's stuff. Yeah. But I mean, if, if they're going to like pay for your, conference there i mean that's not bad either <laughs> but uh, uh no this this time i'm going on my own you're going on, on your own, own. it looks like it's gonna be there like as i'm just there as a person mm-hmm. i'm not uh, you're not per- you'll not hand out cards and stuff but you don't have a table and everything right looks like it's fairly reasonable like each day is 52 dollars. i'm not sure what all that gets you but uh, it looks like it gets you in on the convention floor and everything so yeah but I, don't, I don't know what the price is for all i'm assuming you're going for all three days right right and then i'm in another like 200 bucks for the plane ticket and the hotel room and all that so yeah i think i'm spending about a thousand to go yeah but it would have been Pushing four or five thousand when I was doing the math for what I wanted to do is if I tried to run a booth. Do a booth. Yeah, well we might have to look into splitting one sometime or get getting together with other guys in the club and trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so yeah, that looks fairly reasonable. I'm 
sure it's easier to get into packs than it is to E3 uh, <laughs> yeah. or even like GD. I think GDC is pretty open, but uh, yeah. I've never it's tried to do GDC. It's definitely closest. I, I'm thinking that PAX East is probably closer to us than PAX South, even though that we're considered the South. But I think, yeah, South is San, San Antonio, Texas, which I don't know. If you're flying, it's probably about the same either way for a ticket. Yeah, and then I haven't done a PAX South yet. I would be interested in trying that one. I, I think they do a bit more focus on board games with their indie scene. Oh, I didn't know that. But I haven't uh, haven't really looked into that one too much. There's a PAX Austra- Austria? Australia. Australia, okay. Yeah, um, Melbourne. Uh, that one, one, that'd be fun to go to, too, but then you're looking at, like, you know, $1,500 plane tickets. Yeah, you're flying, like, 16,000 miles in. <laughs> and but there are a lot of really cool indie companies out of Australia, too, so it's nice that they get a, they get to have a PAX without having to f- them fly 16,000 miles to Boston or Seattle. Yeah, I feel for those guys. I mean, they're kind of, like, out on their own down, down under there. <laughs> But yeah, I've met people from Australia. They're really nice people out there. Oh, and I've never heard of PAX Dev, but it's Seattle, Washington. That was last year. I don't know if they're doing it again this year, but maybe this is more like a a GDC type thing. I'm not sure. I believe it is, and it runs right before PAX West, which like it'll PAX Dev ends and then PAX West starts in the same area. Um, which there are, PaxDev has a lot of speakers and panels you can go to on how to do things in the games industry and meet other people from the games industry. That's not bad. You can kind of hit up two conferences all in the same Yeah, PaxDev is more the professional side, and then Pax West is open to the public. Oh, okay. So for PAX, to like to get a badge for PAX Dev, you have to be an indie or not indie, but a game developer. Oh, okay. not just indies, because I mean, there's other like Sony's there and people from Harmonix or whatever, and they give you know, like the marketing, the president of marketing from Sony America might be there and give a lecture on marketing. You can attend that. Mm-hmm. The badges for PaxDev are, are kind of spendy, though. I think they're in the 200 plus dollar range. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's so like kind of like GDC. I've heard GDC can be spendy, too, if you're going as a professional. Yeah, I got it pulled up right here. Uh, not sure what the... I've always wanted to go, but it's just like so far away and taking a time off work and everything. Yeah, California, California events are, are draining for us. <laughs> yeah, us East Coasters. I guess we're technically East Coast over here. Uh, but, yeah, sounds like a lot of good sessions and speakers. The good thing is a lot of those are online. I know uh, there's like a GDC video archive. I think they do record all, all of the sessions. Uh, but I think you may have to pay to actually get those video sessions and you're missing out on the networking and meeting other people and all that. But I've always wanted to go. One interesting thing is, is like right before GDC. So it is, um, 
February 27th through March 3rd. Then the expo is March 1st through 3rd. So that's coming that's like up. A whole week. Yeah, it's coming up pretty soon. Uh, but before they always put out this state of the game industry, I looked at the one last year. I haven't looked at the one for this year, but they put out a lot of good statistics. Like, what console is everyone developing for? It's like 38% uh-huh. smartphones, PlayStation 4, 27%, Xbox One, 20. That's kind of surprising. I mean, I guess PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are pretty close, and people, I guess, develop for both consoles at the same time. Yeah, PC Mac is by far the most, 53%. VR is only 24%. But it's a lot of good statistics uh, for free. You just have to put in your email address and name, and and that's about it. Which smartphone platforms are you currently developing for? Android, iOS. PlayStation Mobile, not doing too good. Windows (laughs) Phone, not doing too good. And just a lot of surveys and information. This is for 2017, so this is yes. Current. This came out just uh, a week or two ago. Uh, which VR, AR platforms are you developing for? HTC Vive is by far the most. Oculus Rift right behind. Uh, yeah, just a lot of good information. I r- definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, close that. Go back to the agenda. So that's GDC, State of the Game Industry. Global Game Jam was last month. Uh, we didn't do it in Knoxville, but I know there was a group from uh, Nashville and Lexington. Those were probably the two closest locations uh, that did. Global Game Jam is usually done in person, right? Yeah, so everybody gets together. There was actually a video on in Nashville. And they, I don't know if it's real or not. I'm assuming it's real, but they had like a a room full of like a hundred developers in there. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to find <laughs> Nashville game developers. Yeah, here it is. Hello from Nashville. Welcome to Nash Game Dev Group as we start Global Game Jam 2017. And look at this. Oh, wow. Oh, I don't have the sound up. That many Two, people. Three. Hello, and some of those teams, or are they all solo? I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of people to work on one game, so hopefully mm-hmm. they split it up. Uh, I don't see the information on the game they actually submitted. But, uh, yeah, this is kind of old. But, yeah, if they really had that many people show out, I mean, they're really light years ahead of us. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we had that many people. Uh, Run Jump Dev is the uh, group in Lexington, Kentucky. I think there are some groups in Atlanta, but they're so segmented. It's like they have a group, like at Georgia Tech, and a group at Georgia State, and they're a little bit more broken apart. It would be too hard to drive down to Atlanta to participate in something, though. Yeah, I think that would be fun. I mean, it's just taking the two or three days. I think they do expect you to stay the whole time and work on the game. Sleeps on the floor. Yeah, I don't know if I'm up for that. I mean, I might have to get a hotel or something (laughs) and crash for the night. 
I don't see any information for their... Uh, maybe they didn't do Global Game Jam. I thought they were doing it this year in Lexington. But I don't see any information. Micro Talks. Yeah, well, maybe they didn't do one this month. Okay. Uh, so, I'm not sure why I had Unity Connect. I think I was going through stuff... Ways to promote games. I'll briefly mention this. Google.com. Unity Connect. This is a nice way if you want to network with other developers. Unity developers. I thought I was already logged in. Log in. That's probably something I'm, I'm pretty bad at that I need to spend more time on. Is actually trying to... Talk to other people. Well, it's hard here in Knoxville or Morristown or Oak Ridge. I mean, I mean, well, just trying to be more social in general, like get out there more. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm ba- I'm bad at actually meeting people. Like I know a lot of people online, especially from the Xbox Live Indie Game days, but actually getting out and going to shows and things like that, and I'm. Never been great at doing that. But yeah, you can create a little profile on this Unity Connect and you can show off the stuff you've been working on, your screenshots, videos, sketchfab models, things like that. And they actually do have a uh, jobs board here where people looking for like game designers, UX designers, all these different like places looking for unity jobs exactly here's one in fukuoka japan all over the world uh unity guru level 11 (laughs) (laughs) but yeah if you're looking for a game development job i definitely recommend creating an account on this unity connect and checking out the jobs on that I'm still kind of like, I got my day job, which I'm somewhat happy with, and I'm just happy just being a uh, hobbyist right now. <laughs> uh, but if you are looking for a full-time job in the game industries, definitely recommend this place. Then here's like the recruit. If you're actually in a, rec- a recruiter looking for people, you got a game project or something, you can post a job on here. So that's pretty nice. Uh, there was also another Unity show-off site. Um, so it seems like Unity's really uh, working harder on building their communities. Uh, Unity, so we're looking, Made with Unity. So this is another show-off site. I kind of wish they would combine the two sites together so I don't have two places where I'm posting games. But if you got something, you're... A Unity game that you're launching, uh, you can make a an account here, and it's pretty similar. You can they actually accept itch.io links. So I was kind of surprised about that, but if you got it on Windows Store and itch.io, you can post it on here and try to reach another audience. I think this is more geared toward uh, a mass audience, where the other one was specifically for developers and recruiters. So this is just another place you can go to to try to promote your game and post screenshots. The other sites I used, there's one called Cartridge, which I think is without an eye, very similar to this. 
And also NDDB. That's another place, good place to go to promote your games. I haven't done NDDB. I keep hearing that one. NDDB is good. Uh, I've got quite a few of my games on there. NDDB. I think they actually get quite a bit of traffic here. So I like put my Free the Frog game. Free the Frog. You can actually upload builds of your game on here as well, which I think they recently added. Oh, Free the Frog game. So yeah, same thing. Post videos, screenshots, popularity for the current day, how many people have looked at your game, last update. How many people have viewed it? Your rank. Um, so you got your files. I think the files go through an approval process, but I think they just check it to make sure there's no viruses or anything like that. And videos, images. Now your videos, it will actually, you give it a YouTube URL, and it will actually suck it down from YouTube, then post the video on their site so this i don't believe this will add to your youtube views or view time or anything like that if you paste it here uh, images and you got statistics on how many people are looking <laughs> like like for everything else you got a lot of views on the first day then it just drops off from there once you fall off the main page front page Okay, so I was going to talk a little bit about this self-fracture plugin for Blender, which I don't have prepared, but I can do a quick demo, I think. <laughs> so I use this for my Free the Frog game. There's another actual uh, talk about this uh, on YouTube, which would probably be better than anything that I can do. But uh, so your open recent... Got my frog open, open. Uh, we'll go to my game development folder here. Next, free the frog assets models. I think it's just frog one. So it's a good way if you have a model. See if I press play here. No, it's not. Oh, which view am I in? Default. Okay, one second here. File, open, floor, wall warp. Oh, dead frog. That's what it is. Yeah, so here it is. So you just go into Blender, and it's under user preferences. And you go to add-ons, and it's called cell... Fracture, so you just go in here and you enable the cell fracture plugin right here, and that will allow you to take a model. And if I press play here, it'll just blow it up like that, <laughs> which that is cool. kind of a neat effect. Um, there's also, let's see here, file. I wish I had like another Can it randomize, or is it the same pieces every time? I'm pretty sure it randomizes the cuts each time into your model. Um, I was going to see if I can find a car or something. I know in my... Uh, I had like a car model in... 
Space destroy. Uh, one second. Let's see. Yeah, delivery kit. Um, assets. Uh, scene scripts, utilities. I think I had an external folder models. Okay, here they are. Obstacle car. Oh, that's just a block, but let's see if I can find the other one. Uh, backup textures. Let me go back up. And standard assets, textures, models, animation, external assets. There we go. Uh, fire hydrant. Okay, here, here's a police car right here. Models. Oh, but it doesn't have the blender file. Okay, so I can't do that one. I'll work. Oh, no. I'll just work on that standard box then. File, open. File, open recent. Car. So, if I remember correctly, go back in object mode. Then you should have this <coughs> option. Transform, add. I'm bad at doing real time Blender demos. There should be an option in here. Clear, snap, animation, duplicate, duplicate, apparent. Not seeing it right now. Maybe I do need to be in edit mode. Mesh, okay. That's it. Transform, undo, snap. Extrude for to see. Now I know there's like a standard uh, break apart option in here. Snap to symmetry, bisect cleanup normal, delete extrude, mirror, sphere. Oh, I'm not seeing it. So, let me look under here one more time. Apply. Location, delete, delete, parent constraint. Yeah, I'm not seeing it right now. I have to come back to this. Like, I'll do another demo of this. But, yeah, you should just be able to go in there. It's like that. And it'll break it apart. Then you got, like, these constraints over on the physics tab. You can tell it how much force is in that explosion. So it's a really nice tool uh, to use for making simple, like, explosions like that. Uh, go ahead and quit there. The other thing I was going to do a quick run through of my code for the NES stuff, then I'll probably wrap it up after that. Uh, go over here, file, uh, open, go to E, Lizzie Smith, projects. Here's my Prez. And so for this game, I have all these assembly files, ASM files. <clears throat> so if you're noticing assembly for it, looks kind of like this. So you're writing like the low level operations interpreted by the CPU. This is what gets translated into zeros and ones. Uh, <clears throat> you basically have these three banks, like areas of memory that you can manipulate. <clears throat> you set these, uh, they call them vectors. 
And it's kind of like when your application, when your game gets interrupted. So whenever somebody presses the reset button on the NES and it gets sent this reset vector, so it executes everything under reset. Um, and on every frame, uh, it, it gets caught, this NMI vector gets called, which is non-maskable interrupt. So this gets called every frame. So this is where you do all your drawing and updating of your game objects and everything like that. So basically, I, I include three other different files. So first one is controller pull, uh, which I have right here. This is all the code. I won't go into all the details of this, but this is what runs to actually read from the buttons on the NES controller for that frame. <clears throat> so here's the code that handles like reading the A button. These get called sequentially every time you do a load, I believe from this 4016. Then you check whether the button is pressed or not. Then you check for button B, start, select, up, down, left, and right. So for like right, and this is that little pres game with the little president that I was showing earlier. Uh, I basically get the position, your current X position. Then I do this uh, clear carry bit right here. Then I add one to the position. Then I store that back to the position of the character. And also do this uh, LDA, and I store the facing, so that tells which way your character is facing. So if you're facing right, uh, then it's in the standard tile position, but if you're facing left, then all the tiles need to be flipped to the other direction. <clears throat> then there's column offset, because the, the character is made up of three rows of tiles. So whenever he gets flipped, then you got to move the first, or three columns of tiles. The first column of tiles gets moved over to the third column, and the third column gets moved over to the first column. So this type of things you got to handle when developing games like that. i got to move objects, open, move objects. So this basically just moves the flags downward. And it also handles the character. I did have a simple jump in the game. I guess I didn't show that off. File, recent, press. So if you press the A button, he's got this little tiny jump. It really doesn't do much. But it also controls if you're jumping, then you fall back to the ground until you hit the ground level. And it sets the jump flag back to where you can jump again. And it also increments this frame counter that I use. And... I have this, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's a hack or just, it isn't good to use in real games, but to get a random number, I just get the value of the current frame, which is kind of randomized in itself because you really can't tell with frames going that quickly uh, what the actual frame number is. Then I just mod that by the range of numbers which I need, which in this case is like 0 to 250 across the screen. So yeah, that's basically it for every frame. And uh, I got these subroutines that get called open, press, subs. And this handles calculating the score. So in assembly, you actually got to handle like carrying your ones uh, over to the next digit. So I just have two digits in this. But once your score goes past nine, then you actually got to carry that 
one over to the next digit, then reset your first digit, digit zero, back to zero. Otherwise, it's going to be interpreted as an A because it's all in hexadecimal. So uh, you don't want that happening. And so I use this little uh, subroutine, uh, which gets called with J. SR, which stands for jump subroutine, then when it's done, it returns back to the original code using this RTS, which is return from subroutine. So down here in this bank one, we have all the graphics code. So you have two palettes. You have a palette for your foreground and a palette for your background. So all these hexadecimal numbers, these correlate to palette values uh, that are used in your game. So I use this program called YYCHR. I'll open that real quick. It's under my tools. Uh, e, e. Smith projects. Then Prez. And tools. YYCHR. YYCHR file open there's my it gets saved as this chr file so you can see there this is what you can use to actually draw and update your sprites for an nes game where's the pencil here yeah so you can draw i found out you can also copy and paste into this uh, but it also has this palette information down here so you got four colors you can work with so you can change any of these three four palette values and the numbers that you see here, these hexadecimal values here, correlate to these values. It may be hard to see on the stream, uh, but uh, it actually shows you the hexadecimal values for each of these colors. So you just paste those in here. Uh, here's a sprite information. It basically just loads this from this CHR file that you have. There's the information for the player, the flags, and here's the background information right here. So the background is on its own page. So here you see the, the White House graphic that I have. Uh, make this white. No, that's white right there. White. There and there. So this is basically reading from the second page or page one these tiles so that's what all this data is right here then you got the attributes this basically says for each of these areas on the background or on the player sprite uh, which palette do you use to paint each area on the screen so in my case they're all pretty much the same uh, well the white house is on one palette then the ground this text information is on a different palette so that lets me use different colors for the game so yeah, that's a quick, I don't know, 10 minute run through of assembly programming for an NES game. And yeah, that's basically all I had. Uh, I have some possible future topics uh, talking about checking in code to a repository using Bitbucket, uh, 3D modeling in Blender, music with GarageBand, or just talking about game engines in general. If anybody else would like to join us, or Joe, if you'd like to speak on a topic, just let me know and I can add it uh, to this agenda here. So that's about all I had, about an hour and a half. Joe, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about today? Uh, no, that's good. 
Okay, I think we'll call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this came out okay. Uh, Hopefully it recorded okay, and I'll try to post it on YouTube for anybody else that would like to watch this and post it up on the website. So, yeah, Joe, I really appreciate appreciate you joining me today. And, uh, yeah, we'll try to do this again the second Sunday of March. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks for watching.